Blog Talk Radio. Nope. 
Trump's budget proposed a $168 million cut. So he's lying through his teeth. He lies through his teeth, you know, even in the State of the Union. Oh, he lies all the time, so, you know. No, I know, I know. It's just, just frightening how, how, how bad it is. Now, this this thing was going to surprise many of you. It's not very long, but this is, uh, since we're attacking Trump and Trump is worth Let's attacking. Let's present the other side. We'll present the other side because this is Clinton and Obama, okay? They're slamming illegal immigration during their uh, State of the Union uh, measures, okay? Very Popular interesting. topic. Very interesting how they handle this, which is exactly what, basically what Trump was saying, which is surprising, I thought. Very surprising. So let's try, let's listen to this for just a minute here. Real reform means stronger border security, and we can build on the progress my administration has already made, putting more boots on the southern border than at any time in our history and reducing illegal crossings to their lowest levels in 40 years. Real reform means establishing a responsible pathway to earned citizenship, a path that includes passing a background check, paying taxes and a meaningful penalty, learning English, and going to the back of the line behind the folks trying to come here legally. All Americans, not only in the states most heavily affected, but in every place in this country are rightly disturbed by the large numbers of illegal aliens entering our country. The public service they use impose burdens on our taxpayers. That's why our administration has moved aggressively to secure our borders more by hiring a record number of new border guards, by deporting twice as many criminal aliens as ever before, by cracking down on illegal hiring, by barring welfare benefits to illegal aliens. In the budget I will present to you, we will try to do more to speed the deportation of illegal aliens who are arrested for crimes. It is wrong and ultimately self-defeating for a nation of immigrants to permit the kind of abuse of our immigration laws we have seen in recent years, and we must do more to stop it. Just saying no to everything may be good short-term politics, but it's not leadership. We were sent here to serve our citizens, not our ambitions. So that those are your That's two. That's pretty fair. Yeah, those are your. So uh, those same talk, talk, topics resonate with the American public. Oh yeah. yeah. No matter what the administration. It's true, but at the same time, you're dealing with, uh, you know, I mean, the Trump, the Trump. I don't know, but you got to remember, it's it was a little different. Obama, even though he tried to work with that, uh, you know, he allowed the Dreamer Act, okay, which made a lot of sense. Okay, yep. since so why you know, he had some compassion, you know? Mhm. You know, why are you gonna As send the Democrats over? actually weren't interested in uh, doing anything with that. I know. I know. They pretended on. that they were, but they never did anything. Well, so he, I have no so use to, for so Congress. He, yeah, so you had to do it with an executive order. Yeah. You know? And uh, Well what Trump is trying to do is force the issue and make it law. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. I Make them in Congress do their job. Exactly, because if they that that I agree with, but I don't agree with much of anything else that he said. Believe me, but um, there is that one is do your job. But he's putting it with a with the uh, codicil that you you know he wants to 
you know, to uh, build a $25 billion wall, right? Well, as I told you, that's anyway, never going to happen. Exactly. I mean, if you, if, you know, the thing that's amazing is he can't build a wall because Lila, Lila who was on um, NPR was his source or something. I or think, MSNBC. you know, I didn't remember where I heard. It must have been NPR or some talk show when oh, I was whatever, going whatever somewhere. Yeah, and I said, I, I have to tell Leo this. It was a very small uh, amount of land that the federal government actually owns along the border. Most of it's owned by private landowners, and every president since Herbert Walker Bush has tried to build a wall. And it didn't work because they couldn't, they couldn't buy all this land and they couldn't appropriate it Some all. Some of it is uh, still in uh, lawsuits right. against right. them, right. After uh, their years, administration, yeah. because p- uh, the people along the border didn't want to sell the land. Right. So uh, I don't know how Trump is really going to accomplish this. He really can't. It's, what all it is is a, it's a it's it's what it's you kind call, of a stunt. It's I a think. stunt. Yeah, it's a stunt. Here, it's like when they got that uh, that spending bill through, mm-hmm. right? They tried. They, they were going to do everything, you know, you know, uh, give you the tax cut and everything, and then they're going to gut out. Uh, Obamacare, mm-hmm. and then after gutting Obamacare out, they also wanted to. Uh, uh, what was the other thing? They oh, they wanted to 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 support six years worth of childcare. Okay. Yeah. You know, but they wanted to take away Medicaid. They wanted to take away all these uh-huh. other. But they're giving you childcare, all right? Uh, you know, for you know, it's it was absurd. But, I mean, that, that this is the way that he negotiates, which is why nobody even likes him. GOP or the other ones, they to negotiate with him because he turns on the GOP and he turns on the Democrats just to get his way, you know? Uh-huh. He'll make a, he made a deal with the Democrats, and then he turned on it. And then know? broke it immediately. He broke it right after, all right? And then he, tried, then he crammed that tax bill down their throats, you know? But um, unbelievable. This was really interesting here. Um Kurt Gowdy, uh, Kurt, uh, Trey Gowdy, rather. Trey Gowdy um, was the uh, is a congressman who um, uh, was uh, investigating uh, Hillary, right? Hillary's crimes, and he came out today. Uh, he came out and said that uh, Hillary's crimes were much worse than anyone ever thought. Right? I, I just want to read this because I think this is really interesting. You want, to, you want to read this for, with us? Or yeah, uh, go ahead. You start it, and right. I'll read something. In politics, nothing happens by accident. If it yeah, happens, you can bet it was planned that way. That was Franklin Roosevelt's. I that. agree with that. But the, new, the news today is that James Comey revealed classified information in the memos he leaked. And there is nothing new here, so why has it suddenly gone mainstream? For the answer, you have to know the players. First, Comey knows too much. Uh, uh, he did his best to navigate the swamp while he was the FBI director, but Washington's criminal elite now needs a fall guy, and his handling of the Clinton email investigation angered people on both sides of the political divide, so he is the perfect sacrificial lamb. Trey Gowdy, one of Washington's few legitimate men of integrity and a frequent critic of James Comey, uh, Jim Comey, uh, um, uh, recently said, I've had plenty of differences with Jim Comey. I want to really clear about that, but I think history is going to be much kinder to Comey over his July press conference. 
in which he um, declined to prosecute Hillary than the um, uh, Democrats were when he had it. I think uh, he had access to the information that because he's a stand-up guy, he's not going to decimate classified information, although God knows everyone else's, he is not going to release it, um, even if it casts him in a negative light. Well, Gaudi is talking about something he reported almost two months ago uh, after working the case for over a year. And Comey realized that damn near the entire government was involved, okay, with the, with the uh, Clinton corruption. Well, that was kind of scary. Yeah. One agent with intimate knowledge of the case criticized Comey's dilemma this way. There is enough for her and the entire government to be brought down. People do not realize how enormous this whole situation actually is. The problem is that the Clinton Foundation, as I mentioned, which you should just imagine as a massive spider web of connections and money laundering, implicating hundreds of high-level people. This case would explode into a million other cases if fully brought to light, and then we would be one agency competing against the other, entire government and a horde of other interests. It is a very tense and uncomfortable position. And Comey chose to avoid a mass shitstorm as the uh, agent criticized it uh, that would have resulted from exposing the entire globalist power structure. Hmm. Imagine that. Yeah. yeah. That so, is why, so now what? Well, that's why Comey allowed Hillary and everyone close to her to scrub uh, and, then be and then destroy their personal computers and devices rather than conduct a proper investigation in accordance with the standard FBI collection of, his, uh, of evidence. The only thing that stood in the way of Comey succeeding in protecting the Clinton's criminal syndicate was the New York Police Department uh, discovery of Anthony Weiner's laptop that had almost all of the evidence that Comey had sought to eviscerate. So he tried to get rid of all that, uh, all yep. that evidence. Wait a minute, huh? Well, you know, he, he should have been fired. Well, it's true that Comey is a dirty cop who should not be forgiven for turning his back on his responsibilities to fair out corruption wherever he found it. That is not the reason he's now the target of Washington Swamp. Quite the opposite is the reason, in fact. Clinton co-conspirators are growing more and more desperate to stop President Trump from fulfilling his campaign promise to drain the swamp and James Comey, who knows where all the skeletons are hidden, must be discredited prior to cutting a deal to tell Trump's investigators what they want to know in order to save his own bacon. Whatever we suspect about the Clinton's criminal actions, Trey Gowdy just told us it's a whole lot worse than we ever imagined. Mm, I believe that's probably true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I think it was so bad. And uh, this thing, he decided to retire right after that. You got to wonder, you know, about uh, some things. Uh, I posted this. Yeah, see, Trey Gowdy Trey abruptly announced retirement from Congress today. He's going to retire. Oh, okay. Yeah. He hasn't served it that long. No, but, well, he served a while, but, you know, he, he's, see, this is, hold on a second, folks, just a few seconds here. Yeah. Representative, this is from Ross Story, by the way. Okay. 
Representative Trey Gowdy announced his retirement from Congress shortly after some of his Republican colleagues were in a train wreck involving a garbage truck. I don't know if you saw that today on the news, but um, uh, a train hit a garbage uh, truck that was trying to cross over the the track, I guess, and wiped it out. But the South Carolina Republican abruptly announced Wednesday he will not seek election in November, but will instead return to the justice system. Whatever skills I may have are better utilized in a courtroom than in Congress, and I enjoy our justice system more than our political system, uh, Gowdy said. As I look uh, back on my career, it is the jobs that both seek and reward fairness that are most rewarding. The 53-year-old Gowdy, a former district attorney and federal prosecutor, has represented South Carolina's 4th Congressional District since 2011 when he was uh, elected as part of the Tea Party wave. Gowdy chaired the United States House uh, Select Committee on events surrounding the 2012 terrorist attack in Benghazi from 214 to 216, and he called for the prosecution of Hillary Clinton during the 2016 campaign. He has chaired the House Oversight Committee since the abrupt resignation of former GOP um, Representative Jason Chavez, 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 yeah, Chavez, Republican of Utah, and um, so that that's kind of I, I thought that was kind of interesting, didn't you? After he came out with that statement on Comey and all that, and he just said, "Well." Trump ranks sixth in the stock market performance behind Obama and Clinton. Whoa. Now, he's really never been better in the world, than us, but, he, but the actual amount that the, that the stock market rose, he's actually sixth. Um, this is from Forbes magazine. Oh, this is a Forbes magazine that... Uh, Donald Trump had uh, Stormy Daniels spank him with. Oh my God! Yeah, the one with his family's picture on the on, on the cover. Oh. Everyone is impressed with the performance of the stock market under President Trump, especially Trump. Stocks have risen in nine of the first ten months of the Trump administration, a record that no other U.S. president can match. That goes back to President William McKinley in 1897. Before 1896, there were no stock indexes uh, to gauge performance. I used the Dow Jones Industrial Average from 1897 to 1927 in the Standard & Poor 500 index beginning with its inception in 1928. While the market has consistently gained under Trump, the gains haven't been record-setting. From inauguration day to January 20th through October 27th, the S&P 500 shows a 15.38% annualized rate of return. That's less than the annualized percentages achieved under five other presidents. Ooh, interesting, huh? Very interesting. Yeah. Jeez. Everything that? is so twisted. You'll have to point out where it is. I have trouble seeing. Harry Truman, Dwight Eisenhower, Gerald Ford, Bill Clinton, and Barack Obama all did better over the course of their terms. The top returns were achieved under a pair, a pair, a pair, a pair, yeah, a pair of Democrats 
for whom Trump has expressed disdain. Bill Clinton at a 17.49 percent uh, total return per year, and Barack Obama 16.25. Uh-huh. Here's a breakdown for the 15 latest presidents ranked by marked performance as measured by the total return of the S&P 500. Okay, Bill Clinton is tops. All right, he came in at 17, almost 17 and a half. Barack Obama. Uh, Cumulative return, 233.71%. Annual re- annualized return, 16. I don't know. Maybe I should just go because these are confusing. The cumulative return. Cumulative. Yeah, cum- cumulative. The annualized return is what most people would be looking for. Uh, but uh, let's go to uh, Gerald Ford, 15 and 15.57% and return. Harry Truman, 15.56 return. Dwight Eisenhower, 15.51% return. Donald Trump is sixth at 15.38%. Ronald Reagan was 15.08%. Bush was 14.71%. Jimmy Carter was Uh, 12.4%. Franklin Roosevelt was 12.15%. Lyndon Johnson was 11.23. Kennedy was 9.82. Nixon was 0.64. Well, he didn't even go up 1%. Hmm. Yeah. No, it was actually minus 0.64%. Minus. Uh, George Bush, George W. Bush, his rate of re- annualized return on the stock market was minus 3.82%. Unbelievable. And Herbert Hoover was... Uh, oh, a minus 30.82 percent. He was the lowest. Well, of they didn't have the clothing that we do, you know. The clothing. Oh, I don't know what I'm saying there. I was thinking of. I was thinking of weather. It was so. I was so. Close. Oh, minus 30.82. I was thinking. Oh my God! The, where, when annualized the, return. I just realized that's yeah. what you were saying. I said, oh my God! It's getting late, Lila. Yeah, I'm. We are late. I was thinking of. I had a long the, night. We're thinking of turning our show into a seven o'clock show. <laughs> I drove. I drove home in a, in a snow squall. It was one of the worst drives I've ever had by uh, myself. Terrible. Yeah, it was terrible. So let's see. You'll be shocked at what the flu shot is doing to you. Now this is interesting. This what was very interesting. Is I, this by the the um, actually, health ranger? Um, no, it's by. Uh, I don't recognize it. Dr. Susan Humphreys, okay, explains what the flu shot is doing to your immune health. Immune okay, immune health. Let's, let's listen to that. All right, yeah. This has been viewed by over 11.5 million people, um, and it's, it's really pretty good. It's about three, almost four minutes, so. The reporting that goes on uh, or lack of for some of these vaccines. You go back to the flu shot, and, and there does seem to be reporting. Uh, two years ago, I think, they said there was maybe 9% effective for for a certain population. Maybe it was the elderly. elderly I can't remember. This video um, was this, put on by United recent for year, I think the effectiveness for the, the main vaccine was 47%. And I look at those numbers and I'm like, well, 9% is nothing. 40% is better than 50. You know, it's not even 50-50. What are your chances of getting the flu either way? Probably, you know, not as good as even that. Those numbers, to me, don't seem to support the effectiveness of the vaccine. 
Right. So, and they consider like 70 to 80 percent really good. And, and so for some strains, some years it might be that high. But, you know, they removed the inhaled influenza vaccine this year because it was empty. only 3 percent effective. And, um, Dissolving delusions. You know, people assume that they go and they get their child vaccinated and they're going to be protected even after one shot. But the fact is that even after three or four shots of some vaccines, you're only 65 to 85% protected. Even with the measles vaccine, there are between 2 and 10% of people who take that vaccine who never respond to it. So they're called primary non-responders. So they're susceptible. And, you know, the reason they added the second shot, it wasn't for a booster. The second shot was added to that program around 1990 to mop up that 2% to 10% who never responded in the first place. But the problem is that those 2 to 10% don't really have that much higher of a chance of responding by yet. They have somewhat higher, but not a perfect response rate even after that second shot. So, you know, it's a real kind of lack of false, it's a false sense of security that doctors and parents have after vaccines that they are necessarily protected and they're not. And, and even if they do work initially, they're, um, there's no guarantee that they stay, you know. Is, is the more vaccines, say, for, for instance, the more pertussis vaccines a person gets over their lifetime, the shorter they actually respond to it for the shorter period of time. So us, as adults, you know, our protection might last six months to two years, whereas as a child, they just keep giving more and more and more of them, uh, trying to build that immunity. Um, so that's one problem with um, with this feeling that the vaccines are protected, but you mentioned influenza, and there's a lot. Of, there's there's something that a lot of people are unaware of, and I think this is a really important point to make about influenza vaccines, which is that you're talking about the effectiveness in the year that it's given. Then the following year, there could be a whole three or four new strains of influenza circulating. Well, there's plenty of medical literature and epidemiologic evidence that if you've taken an influenza vaccine on year one, that your risk of contracting influenza on year two is higher, your risk of getting a pandemic strain is higher, and your risk of shedding and spreading the, vac the, um, the virus for longer periods of time is higher as a result of what that vaccine did to your immune system the year before. That's a really important point that I think needs to really be hammered home to people is that even if you are protected that first year that you got the vaccine, it has changed your immune system in such a way that your T cells can't respond using memory response. And so you are actually more susceptible than a person who's never been vaccinated. And that's been proven in medical literature. I speak about this publicly with the references on a regular basis. There you go, folks. That's the truth. United for truth. Hmm. You can go to that. Um, check it out. Because it's really pretty severe how we're being lied to by the CDC. That these things aren't helping us at all. I love this. This guy said, So from now on, presidents can molest 17 women, pay porn stars for sex, all while married, and still get 71% of the evangelical vote. Mm -hmm. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Absolutely amazing. 35% yeah. um, of Puerto Rico, or 450,000 people, um, are still without power. The U.S. Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico are still devastated. 
Parts of Florida and Texas are still recovering from hurricane damage. California towns devastated from fires. Flint still has no clean drinking water, but a wall, right? But he wants to build a wall, right? He, he tells us that, but who knows? What's that? He, he will tell us that, but who knows if that's actually his agenda? I think his agenda is to stir up everything while he manipulates the current. I think so too, and I and I and I think it's worse than uh, there's a book, and we, we hopefully we'll, we'll have this off and on in the next uh, couple of weeks. Um, uh, uh, and uh, he wrote this book about Trump, and I think uh, he's going to be. Uh, I think it'll be very interesting to hear what he has to say. Very interesting to hear what he has to say about how, what a crooked, crooked, crooked guy Trump really is, and how, uh, uh, how he, how he won the election, you know, by being such a crook, and by using all the problems. And he's saying it's worse than we ever imagined, you know. But here, this was interesting. This is an older one. I mean, I remember when she said it, but I think it's. It's fascinating. Oh, is that Mia Brzezinski? Yeah. She said, our job is to control exactly what people think. Uh, she actually said that. Yeah, she's sure her father's daughter, isn't she? Yeah. He was some miserable piece of work. <laughs> hey, Horrible you're talking piece. about the big Z, man. Yeah, he's a miserable man. Z-Z. Yeah, Z. Well, a panel of news anchors discussing President Trump's attack on the mainstream media, urging the American public to remain skeptical of the press. Um, Brzezinski proclaimed that if the economy goes south, Americans may begin to trust Trump over them, or in other words, over the media. Okay. Yeah, well, the media hasn't done a good job. Yeah. Well, the MSNBC host recently lamented that influence, the influence President Trump has and influencing the American agenda. She said, well, I think the dangerous edges here are that he's trying to undermine the media, trying to make up his own facts, and it could be that while unemployment and economy worsen, he could have undermined the messaging. And still think, still think the MSM is real news? Well, according to MSNBC's Mika Brzezinski, it's their job to control exactly what people, this is her quote, exactly what people think, uh, too. Yes, that's right. One of the most popular anchors at a major mainstream news conglomerate literally just said it's the media's job to control exactly what people think. That's the truest statement that anybody's yeah. ever and it, said and it's in not that a job. It, This is not a joke. You can see the clip down below. I'm going to play this little clip there that explains what she's. Probably the first time she was honest since she's been on the air. Control exactly what people think. He's doing. What are you so surprised about? He's doing exactly what he said he's going to do. Well, and I think that the dangerous, you know, edges here are that he's trying to undermine the media, trying to make up his own facts. And it could be that while unemployment and uh, the, the economy worsens, he could have undermined the messaging so much that he can actually control right. uh, exactly what people think. And that is the that is if our job. That's our job. Huh. So anyway. It's our job to plant false news and control the messaging. That's right. 
There won't be any job for her because he'll be doing it. Oh, poor Mika, unemployed. Made redundant. I'm going to, this is, there's a Powerball drawing tonight. I'm going to read this to everybody out there just so just so they get it, they can see. I'm curious. I didn't, I didn't read this yet. Fourteen-time lotto winner. Do this every time you buy a lottery ticket. That's what this guy says. He won the lotto 14 times. Okay, I need some help with that. Yeah, me too. Use this simple trick to win the lottery one out of 12 times you play. Okay, let's check this out. I want to see. I'm going to tell our audience tonight how to win the lotto. After years of being buried in soul-crushing debt, Everett Thompson won the lotto for just five times. Not just five times, but a total of 14 times in the last two years. You see, I was neighbors in Everett for the last... Uh, with Everett for the last 10 years. I was neighbors with... Oh, for, oh, this is the guy talking about. He was a good neighbor, but for the last two years, I could tell something was different. All of a sudden, uh, he w- was home a lot more. He was driving nicer cars, wearing very nice clothing. Next thing you know, they sold their house. What the hell was going on, I thought. When Everett was moving out, I offered to take a load over to his new house since I had an old pickup truck. We pulled up to the new house, and this is what I saw. This is what he I couldn't believe Everett was moving there. It was at this is a mansion. And after uploading, unloading the truck, I asked him how he was able to afford this epic house, and what he told me blew my mind. I won the lotto 14 times in the last two years. Fourteen times. That's enough. That 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 month ever hit the biggest jackpot of his life, and his life changed forever. He decided to teach me the very same system responsible for his lotto winnings. And even though I was standing in his multi-million-dollar house, paid for with lotto money, I was still skeptical. My wife told me I was crazy for playing the lotto until I won my first lotto for one hundred twenty-four thousand dollars. Then my second. And third jackpot in just under six months. My total earnings in the first six months were a million two hundred forty-two thousand dollars. Well, we need that. We ought to play then with this. Yeah, I'm trying to find out what his secret is here. So, with my earnings, I paid off my debt and moved my family in uh, right next door to Everett. I finally con- uh, convinced Everett to create, uh, put a video on YouTube. To share this with other people. After uploading the video to YouTube, something strange happened. The video kept getting removed for copyright claims by the State Lotto Commission. They desperately did not want Everett's system available to the public to use. So we decided to put the video on a private uh, website where it could be taken, where it couldn't be taken down. And you can watch that video wherever it breaks down this secret formula. And he will cover his six steps to the to the system. If you're interested, do you think we should listen? Yeah. I'm curious. I'm curious. So look here to watch the video. Okay. Oh, okay. If it bores you, we will we will not do it anymore. I couldn't believe I was being called a liar on live TV right after hitting my seventh lottery jackpot. They told me they were on to me that even though they didn't know exactly how, I had to be doing something shady, that they just really couldn't believe there was any way for a person to win the lottery game grand prize seven times. I 
tried to tell them that I wasn't doing anything illegal or cheating or violating any rules, that I just had an easy method I was using and that it happened to work extraordinarily well. Heck, I even tried offering to share it with them, but none of them would give me the time of the day or listen, and I was scared that a fight was about to break out. And I completely hated thinking about what would have happened to me if the quick-thinking security staff didn't turn off the lights, causing the furious crowd to get distracted for a split second, giving me enough time to flee for my life. <laughs> Barely making it to my car and burning rubber as I peeled out of the parking lot, headed towards the safety of my home. Even before the day I hit my fifth lottery win, $842,152.91, I'd been on such a rush which produced an incredible amount of winnings in the last three months just by playing the lotto and using a deceivingly easy method I'd created to predict winners. I'd finally been able to clear up all of my debts, some of which have been lingering over me for years. I'd taken my family on a 10-day Royal Caribbean Alaskan cruise where we'd stayed in the penthouse suite, living like royalty as we enjoyed all the daily activities they had to offer. I was able to buy my children all the clothes they'd been wanting for years, new running shoes, the latest video games, the latest toys, everything. I even just closed the deal on my dream house, a gorgeous house with a resort-style pool and a quiet and safe neighborhood in the best school district in the entire county. So, with that being said, you're probably wondering who the heck I am. Hi, my name is Richard. And I'm the only person in the world who is a seven-time lottery game grand prize winner. How many other lottery gurus can claim that and have the proof to back it up? First off, you can find actual documentation of my winnings right on the Florida Lottery website, flalottery.com. You can also find me on Google. I've been asked to appear on national TV several times to share my lottery winning methods. Here I am on the Rachel Ray Show. Here I am with Mike Tyson. Here I am with Robin Roberts from Good Morning America. No one, and I mean no one, has ever won the seven lottery game grand prizes. I know because I was recently recognized by Ripley's, <laughs> believe it or not. Because of my rare feat of winning seven times, I've been on the Learning Channel, Good Morning America, Fox and Friends, the Today Show in Australia, and many more. Winning all this money was nice, but I eventually came to the conclusion that if I was going to keep using this revolutionary method I developed to crack the lotto code and keep building long-term wealth by putting more and more money in the bank with it, I needed to start being a little more cautious. Because here's the reality. Once you know how to crack the lotto code, which is what I'm going to share with you in this short presentation, there are going to be tons of people who aren't going to be happy about it. As you hold winning ticket after winning ticket for months at a time, you'll have to start rotating the gas stations where you buy your tickets because the owners hate having to pay out cash from their registers. And even when you win the bigger prizes, $5,000, $15,000, maybe even $150,000 or so, these store managers and owners still won't be pleased. They become terrified the state will start monitoring them and trying to figure out what makes their store so special. Yet, here's the thing, and it has nothing to do with their store and everything to do with 
how you're picking your numbers. That's the secret to how I've been successful winning the lottery jackpot seven times and 23 times in the last few years. These winners weren't all major jackpots, by the way. Some of the tickets were just for $6,000 or $13,000. Not enough to make you wealthy, but definitely enough to make your life a whole lot more comfortable. And it's the same secret a few other lucky people have used to do the same thing once I shared it with them. People like Larry Dawson of Webster City, Iowa, who came forward with his wife Kathy to accept their $9.09 million jackpot. He told lottery officials and media that after Kathy saw this guy on TV, Richard Lustig, who'd won a bunch of lottery game grand prizes, she bought this book and started to play just for fun. And Jennifer and Sean from Florida, who says, my husband and I use Richard Lustig's method, and within months we hit a mega money jackpot for $2 million. We'll only play lotto from now on using these strategies. And Richard Taylor Crisfield from Maryland, who says, I decided to purchase an entire package of scratch-off tickets, Maryland Lottery Ravens. I utilized my winnings to purchase another package, and in that package, December 2011, was a $250,000 winning scratch-off ticket. Hmm. Now, being a complete math nut and obsessed with crunching up, that's all right. That, that, this is a 54, I just realized it was on for 54 minutes. But this guy's uh, name is... Um, Richard Lustig? Richard Lustig. You might want to look to look up his name and find out what his book is. Because um, I'm going to do that in a, in a few minutes. But um, I thought that was rather interesting. Yeah, I'm going to go check this one more out just for one second here. i got to check this guy's name out. Leo has decided that he wants to be a member of Lustig. that five-time lottery, lotto winner. Oh, look, Richard Lustig's book, Google Lottery Guy, Special Lottery Guy, How to Win Lotto Sweepstakes and Contest, Winning Lotto, da-da-da-da. Basics of winning lottery at Walmart, you can get it for four ninety five. But if you go to Barnes and Noble, why not increase your chances? It's forty one bucks. That's crazy, huh? Uh, uh, I don't win lotto sweepstakes. I don't know if this, this is the same. This is the same guy, I guess. Just keeps writing the same book. But um, why not increase your chances of winning the lotto? Uh, books by all the guys who won. Richard Lustig, if you want to check that out. It's just his name, L-U-S-T-I-G. I just thought that was interesting. Uh-huh. Did you? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, yeah. Good for fun. I would think and it would be easy to just keep winning the lottery rather than writing a book. You would think so, huh? Yeah. But, hey, who knows? Anyway, um, let's see. we get some good stuff here. Some more good stuff here. Oh, yeah. Corrupted by grifters and charlatans, evangelicalism 
has devolved into into an anti-American hate group. Well, that's probably true. That's interesting. It's by the Daily Cause, which is a liberal, you know, blog. (sighs) But I I happen to agree with this because I thought it was... uh, Pretty true? They, they really, they're, they're considered, uh, they're Southern Poverty Law. Like a fringe group, huh? Yeah. See right there. It says, oops, geez. They disappear. Oh, computers. Corrupted by grifters and charlatans, evangelicalism has evolved into an anti-American hate group. Okay. That's pretty sad. And they get a picture of Liberty University here with Trump. Oh, and it goes, at its phony university. Yeah. At no point during the long uh, political article about Family Research Council head Tony Perkins does political mention that the Family Research Council is a Southern Poverty Law um, uh, Southern Poverty Law what, what was Center. Center, Southern Poverty Law Center uh, designated hate group. And uh, well, anyway, this is an odd admission, uh, odd omission, when giving the man a large number of paragraphs that declare that evangelicals are just fine with Trump having an affair with a porn actress while his wife was home with his four-month-old child, his subsequent payment of a hush money, and every other glibly malevolent uh, thing Donald Trump has done in his life. Or it would have been, or it would have been. But the omission of Perkins' notorious credentials is done in service of asserting that hate group's leaders, Perkins, is a prime spokesman for the evangelical movement, which according to Tony Perkins is a a Taliban-esque cult willing to uh, excuse and support moral depravity among their leaders in exchange for governmental power. And in that declaration, Tony Perkins, in fact, mirrors the declarations of evangelical leaders perfectly. He says, we kind of gave him, all right, you get a mulligan. You get a do-over here. Perkins told me in an interview uh, for the latest episode of Politico's Off Message podcast, way uh, uh, way a paid-off, way a paid-off porn star against being the first president to address the march for life and a lot of trouble reading. I am. I, I don't know why. It's the way this thing is written. Way a paid off porn star. That that's not that's not easy to say. Say that three times you can't. Where, where is it? Way a paid off porn star. A way a paid off porn star against being the first president to address the march for life. And a lot of evangelical leaders insist they can still walk away happy. The hate That's group, not easy to read. <laughs> well, you got to make sure you pause there. The hate group leader, elevated by Politico into national evangelical spokesman, may not be wrong. In his assessment, the evangelical movement may indeed, at this point, be itself a hate movement, in which case propping Perkins up as an overall leader makes as much sense as any. Perkins has joined in his assessment that Trump's grotesque anti-Christian behavior is of no consequence compared to his ability to serve as the movement's puppet uh, 
by numerous faux Christian evangelical leaders, including Franklin Graham, who has long teetered on the edge of hate group leader, including um, himself, as he forgives Trump's every sin in exchange for a laundry list of federal punishments Graham would like to see done to his enemies. The list of evangelical leaders willing to openly defend Trump's amoral repulsiveness on television is long. The number of evangelical leaders of similar stature pushing back to defend the movement is something more than a spittle-flecked grift barely amounts to a trickle. Two evangelical leaders, for example, ought to be in fury that a hate group leader is widely considered the public face of their movement, that Tony Perkins, of all people, is the frequent White House visitor sought by Republicans in the press to best represent them. Their acquiescence is instructive. As Perkins cheers the White House restrictive posture toward abortion rights as a religious freedom um, executive orders, which uh, critiques allege, uh, which critics allege are part of a thinly veiled attempt to legalize discrimination against LBGTQ Americans. He says his only gripe with the administration is that Secretary of State Rex Tillerson is not doing enough to stop abortions and liberal activism around the world. We're seeing Soros dollars being connected with U.S. aid funds, and they're creating, and they're creating these pro-abortion, pro-communist groups in some cases, and working to take down conservative governments, Perkins says. That's too long. It's, it's, Are these pronouncements by anti-gay? It's poorly written, Leah. It is poorly written, isn't it? It's too I, hard I, to read. I thought it was. Run-on sentences. Yeah, who this guy, this was, uh, uh, see, this guy's name was Hunter who wrote it, but, man, this guy needs a, needs a lesson. In a good declarative sentence. Yeah, but, you know, see, Daily Cause is a, is a liberal-edged, uh, it's a liberal blog. Uh, well, people who can't write? I guess pretty so. much. Liberals, crazy liberals and whatnot. People that are, are whatever they are. But uh, they don't write very well. Corrupted by grifters. Uh, I believe that it's corrupt, you know, and daily causes. You know, it's probably right on that. But even if, if, especially if they're listed by the Southern Poverty Law Center uh-huh. as a hate group. Huh. But anyway. Let's um, let's go to this one here. This is really, really interesting. Wait, it's giving away all American land to corporations. Yeah. Almost sick. Hey, yeah. Uh, Donald Trump just shrunk the size of two national parks by more than two million acres. You know, I think I covered this last year, last month. I think last so month, too. Last month. Yep. And that one. What did I say on the wheat crop? The wheat crop is what the one where the uh, wheat white, uh, bread is now cancer. <laughs> wheat crops soaked with glyphosate weed killer uh, before harvest. Are you eating cancer bread? Oh, my God. This is from Natural News. Yeah, let, let, let go to that. I don't think I, I know that I, I read something like this before, but this one is, uh, let me read this one again. This came out two years ago, actually, from... Uh, um, natural news. From the Health Ranger. Yeah. And uh, it says, uh, 
Glyphosate, a toxic chemical found in popular weed killer, weed killer Roundup, is classed by the World Health Organization as a probable carcinogen. Oh, my God. Yeah, Roundup is commonly used across America in gardens, public parks, and for agriculture. But sudden studies have found that one of its ingredients, glyphosate, is dangerous to human health. According to EcoWatch, glyphosate has been found to be toxic to human cells. Um, and associated with numerous diseases and health problems, from Alzheimer's to birth defects and uh, a range of cancers. Yet, despite concerns over exposure to this chemical and studies revealing that glyphosate is present in food and even water, glyphosate is often sprayed on crops just before they harvest. What is glyphosate? It's an herbicide that is sprayed on crops to reduce the number of undesirable weeds that grow in the agricultural fields. Hasn't that been banned in Europe? No. Didn't we read yeah, that? Yeah, it did. It was banned in Europe, for sure. Uh, meaning it's toxic to most plants. Glyphosate is therefore mostly used in combination with genetically engineered crops, uh, which are, have been uh, designed to be restrict, res- resistant to the chemical, uh, such as GE, corn, and wheat. Roundup is manufactured by giant uh, business uh, Monsanto, uh, which also produces GE seeds, which are uh, able to withstand glyphosate exposure. And uh, uh, Fizz, uh, org suggests that 88% of corn grown in the U.S. is genetically engineered. And according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, and the U.S. market is completely saturated with GE crops. How does it affect your health? Well, our DNA is a complex and sensitive thing composed of nucleic acid, which is made up of uh, guanine, thionine, clostostine, um, as reported by whatever. As these articles get too technical, but a survey of farming community of 65,000 people in Argentina is regularly utilizing Roundup has revealed that cancer rates are two to four times higher than the national average, in particular with relations to breast cancer, prostate cancer, and lung cancer. Mm-hmm. The last, the state of California has recently moved to classify the herb as a probable carcinogen, and uh, and uh, the uh, reported by the Organic and Non-GMO Report. However, in spite of these facts, 74% of all glyphosate applications since the mid-1970s have happened in the last 10 years, and its usage is growing. Because it's easy, you know? Yeah. And what they're doing is they're harvesting this glyphosate-soaked crops, which is they're spraying these crops and killing them. They're not using the ones that are resistant. That's right. They're just killing all the the crops so they can harvest them at the same time. Yeah. You know, rather than, you know, prolong the harvest. Oh, boy. Yeah. it says glyphosate usage has doubled in the past five years, um, and more than 185 million pounds of Roundup are sprayed on U.S. crops annually. Studies have found that it takes 57 parts per million for glyphosate to be completely destroy human and kidney cells. Wow. However, agricultural levels of the chemical are often more than 200 times this amount. Destroy our kidney cells. A particular concern. A particular concern is the use of glyphosate just before harvesting crops such as wheat, also known as uh, disecticating. 
then going to the man's home without a warrant, taking another 100000 out of a safe. Uh, Sergeant Wayne would ask suspect uh, drug dealers, if you could put together a crew of guys and rob the biggest drug dealers in town, who would it be? If, you ask, if you're interested in police targeting regular citizens, maybe you should read more about Morris Ward, who, said, was a, who had a technique of driving fast at groups of people, slamming on the brakes and chasing whoever ran. Um, perhaps you hear about uh, how Jenkins believed that all young people with backpacks were dope boys or people who drove Honda Accords with tinted windows. And then there's the revelation that the supervisor of the unit instructed officers to carry a toy gun just in case they found themselves in a jam and needed to plant one. And when one of the officers, Marcus Taylor, was arrested, officials couldn't figure out why he had a toy gun in his glove compartment. <laughs> now they know. Now they know. And uh, so there's a little more to that. But, you know, it's really interesting how corrupt some of these things really are. These, these, well, they destroy innocent people and their lives. They do. Yeah, and on that note, we can probably say goodnight. Yeah, yeah, I think I think we can. Oh I boy. Think we can. That was an interesting evening of events. But uh, the thing is, don't compromise yourself by breaking the law or be around people that do that. Yeah. You know, and then you then you won't caught, get caught in a web of dishonesty, in, like what's happening in Baltimore. Well, anyway, we thank everybody for listening tonight. And sure do. Uh, tell your friends about us. Uh, join us next week. And uh, good night. Good night, folks.